welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. There is not a screaming baby in this room, so everything is is, is pretty good. So uh, this Excellent. next hour should be much better than my last three. Uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, sorry for the delay tonight, folks. I've been having crazy amounts of tech issues, and apparently my computer decided to give me the blue screen of death. But we're here. We're recording. This is going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get into it, I did want to mention to everyone that we have a patron ad this week from Simon, who says Weekly News Dash is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two Canuckle Head hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. Uh, so, Ryan, you have had some more time over with your Nintendo Switch. Oh, yes. What, what did you think I was going to say? What the hell was that face? It was uh, it was the other thing I have in the notes. I've been dreading talking oh. about it. But let's talk about this. I want to talk about this because it is okay. it is pure delight. It's, uh, yeah, playing more with the Nintendo Switch, uh, Mario plus Rabbids uh, Mar- um, Kingdom Battle. I, it's a, It's got a weird title. But they just added new DLC last week for uh, Donkey, I think it's like Donkey Kong Adventure or something. But it's all Donkey Kong themed, a new mode, a new story, new campaign, and it's it's a it's really charming and a lot of fun and and brings you back into that world in uh, in a way that I forgot. Like you forget how charming and delightful that game is, and and then you remember how not charming and how not delightful a lot of games are these days. Like it's always like post-apocalyptic this and mm. you know shoot all the people that and. <laughs> gotta say all the people <laughs> it's just nice to play something with color and brightness and just something nintendo yeah i've been i've been looking at the games we've been playing lately like god of war and vampire and uh you know detroit and it's all yep. got this like layer of scruff and just negativity ah it's just i, I needed a break and i think this yep. week we we all we all got a break you know, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about about your game. But um, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's twenty dollars. It's twenty dollar add on. I did not purchase the season pass. Uh, the other thing they added in the season pass was a ultra challenge, which no, I don't want anything that, anything to do with ultra and challenging. I just I will no thanks, <laughs> not for me. Um, I need the moderate challenge, please. <laughs> yeah. Now the the game got pretty hard. I think near like level three, you know, world three. Right after that, the the difficulty ratcheted up, and it was becoming harder and harder to get like perfect uh, scores on on those worlds. So an ultra pack uh, did not interest me. So I picked up just the the add on standalone, twenty dollars. Uh, you do need the base game. It's standalone in the sense that I didn't get the season pass, but. It, uh, it is a completely separate campaign from the main game. You have to have played through the first world in the main game. So for folks who already purchased the game, that, that was not much of a hurdle because you probably already played through at least World 1. And it just features a completely separate campaign. So you're not pulling any of your progress from the main game over into this side campaign. And it's actually launched from the main menu as like Donkey Kong Adventure. Oh, so it's like totally, totally separate thing. It's very separate. Yeah, they don't bring any progress over and you don't actually earn anything to bring back into your main game. So any new mechanics, any new weapons, any new skills that you learn aren't ported back into your main game to use. So that's probably the only negative uh, I've experienced so far is that 
but that's fine. I mean, it's not like the end of the world. It's a, it's a, it's, it's kind of like, it feels like a branch in the timeline, you know, uh, where, and I haven't finished it. I'm assuming maybe at the end it swoops back in because how it works is in ridiculous fashion, it's after world one because the giant, I don't, I don't know if you remember much about the main game, but there's the, there's the Donkey Kong rabbit, the big, the big oh, rabbit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he was featured in the marketing as well. And he basically is defeated at the end of world one and he gets sucked into the time machine, washing machine, and then rabid peach gets sucked in as well for some reason. Oh, she's trying to charge her phone with the washing machine and then she gets sucked in as well and they go to a different dimension, which is the Donkey Kong dimension. And the story's ridiculous because it then evolves. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't I don't even know if you can fully explain all of the story because it sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> it's 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 crazy and nonsense. It's just, but it's delightful nonsense, and and it basically evolves into you arrive on this dimension, and uh, you meet Donkey Kong and you meet uh, Cranky Rabbit. So instead of Cranky Kong, <laughs> it's a rabbit, but he's in the cranky style. So he's got the old man sweater, uh, in which you know anyone who wears those kind of sweaters. Does he have the cane? Please he ha- tell me he has the cane. He has the cane, which... Amazing. Which folds Does he out- shake it at you? Because if he doesn't shake it at you, then... <laughs> I will... I am delighted to confirm that he shakes it at many of folks. You know, and he Excellent. is... Uh, the What they've done with these rabid characters takes, you know, the style of the character they're based on, ratchets it up to 11, and also ratchets up the goofy... the goofiness. Like... He is you know, shaking his cane at people. He's whapping people on the head. Uh, he, at one point, he, he walks real slow because he's, he's decrepit, right? He's and old, yeah. He's old, yeah. Uh, did I mention he's old? Yeah, he's old. <laughs> what he does is he, the Roomba comes as well. I, I forgot to mention that, the little circle thing that floats around. What he does to the Roomba is the Roomba says like, hey, you're pretty slow, Grandpa. Maybe you should stay here and Donkey Kong and Rabbit Peach and I will figure out how to get back to our own dimension. What he does is he he looks at the Roomba. He, like, whaps it upside the head. It spins around and then, like, kind of gets all dizzy and is, is, is upright vertically on its side. And then he... And it's kind of disturbing because the Roomba is, like, alive, right? It feels sentient. But what he does is he grabs the, the Roomba's, like, arms or ears. I don't really remember what... What kind of I think they're ears, aren't they? Yeah, so he grabs his ears and then he like twists the ears down to be like foot pedestals and then he like sits on top of the Roomba and balances and that's how he traverses the land. You're you always controlled the Roomba in the main game and, and everyone right. followed you. But in this you're still controlling the Roomba but but cranky rabbit. on sitting on it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean I'm not saying you should read it. This is a PG show. I don't think you should read too much into it, but it was like a little like, it was a little, I don't know. It just felt weird. Like you're just riding this robot, this poor robot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, from there on, you you know, it introduces you to the same characters and, and some new enemy types based off of some of the more recent Donkey Kong games from, from the Wii and the Wii U. Um, you know, there's a lot of like... Uh, stuff from tropical freeze where a lot of the enemies were sort of more tribal based um in in okay. theme so it was really neat to see that and kind of and they play with the music so there's some delightful music in there it, it calls back to like the original rare days because it's the same composer so the music's all fantastic 
Um, but yeah, the the combat's really fun. Like as Donkey Kong, you can pick up enemies, players, even uh, obstacles, and throw them. And you can use that to your advantage. So you can it, it adds the momentum. You can like take one of your your characters and throw them up onto a ledge, and then they get an extra move set so they can move a little further, right? Or you can grab enemies and you can throw enemies at other enemies and create some bounce effects and more damage. So Donkey Kong has that as well as a weapon. So he's kind of OP. So it's it's a lot of fun. That's probably why you can't have him in the main game. <laughs> yeah, he would probably break the main game because I found his momentum and his uh, mobility allowed me to really traverse the map very well. And then also just you could pick up obstacles. So you can pick up all those crates those effect crates that you saw across the maps. So you can pick up like a bounce crate, you jump on it, turn it into a ball, and then you can run with it as far as you go and then throw it. So there's like a lot of these opportunities to run around the map, do some cool stuff with, with these effect uh, crates, and then you unleash them on people because usually you had to wait for someone to use it as cover and then shoot it and then the effect would happen. In this, you can just instantly trigger it and, and throw it at whoever you like. So... It it works out to make it a lot of fun because you're like you're tossing stones at people, you're tossing crates, you're tossing enemies at other enemies, <laughs> and uh, DK also has like this the boom, hit the banana which is a boomerang, so he can also hit multiple enemies with that. Like That's I said, fun. <laughs> he's pretty OP, and it feels good to run around with him and and do and cause uh, cause havoc. But uh, and then, you know, Rabbit Peach is, is Rabbit Peach. Like, she hasn't changed from the main game. She's got the still, same skill tree. Uh, but uh, Rabbit Kong, or Rabbit, Cranky Rabbit, it's so hard to remember these names. Uh, Cranky Rabbit does a lot of, um, he's he's interesting because he has what's called the, the grumpy hop or the grumpy jump. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll, like, in the main game, you know how you could run around by hopping off other people and they'd propel you up into the ground, into the yes, air. Yes, yeah. So in this, when you propel, you know, a cranky rabbit up into the air, he does like a a shotgun blast from above. So his cane is actually like a specialized shotgun. So, Fancy. Yeah. So what he'll do is he'll jump up in the air and then if he if he's about to land in and around an enemy's area he will do this, what's called the grumpy jump, and he will do a shotgun, an area of effect. So again, like, it's really neat to have that. That's a new ability, and, and they give it to... Uh, and it's and it is OP as well, because you're combining... Instead of uh, Mario and Luigi's, like, hop up and, and uh, jump on people's heads, you're doing an area of effect shotgun blast, and it's quite devastating. So it's... Again, it's just a lot of fun to romp around with these characters and uh they did a great job with this dlc and at 20 dollars, like you feel you feel the love that they've they've put into this and and sort of they've really catered to the donkey kong sort of world set um yeah so it's it's one new world that you go into that's donkey kong and then so in terms of like how many levels i guess you haven't finished it yet right I haven't finished it, but I heard it is quite short. So it is a little short that some people have said that. Uh, or it's over before you, you're just like, oh, you're not that you're getting into it and it's over, but more just you wish there was more because it is not as long as the main game. Um, Obviously. But I, yeah. think I'm, I think I'm about halfway through. 
So, but it, you know, it feels bite-sized. It feels like a good DLC so far, and uh, hopefully a sign that we'll get some, we'll get a sequel from this because I really feel like they could do some fun stuff with the the rabbits. Like they've proven that the Mushroom Kingdom is a great sort of combination with the rabbits, and there's more there to be explored. Like you could look at Wario, you could look at Waluigi, and that sort of side of things, and. Uh, you could you could do like a Yoshi's Island. You could I, I don't know. There's a lot there in the Mario Mushroom Kingdom that you could play with, and I get the yeah, sense. Yeah, not of even these. like not even if you don't even look at like all the other Nintendo properties that you could possibly smoosh together with this. Like yeah. they could go in a lot of different directions with a with a sequel. And I know like it was a, it was a really fun and more challenging than I thought it was going to be game in general. So uh, yeah, I would love to see more of this because I remember like. When it was first announced, first of all, I didn't know what the rabbits were at all. And then um, on top of that, it was a good game. There's lots of space to, to still explore. And yeah, so I'm glad that you I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad that it seems worth the $20 so far. Um, I haven't given it a chance yet, but um, I think I know uh, Matt beat the main game. So if uh, if this is a, a fun new addition, then uh, maybe we'll go pick it up. Yeah, I think you would enjoy it. If you enjoyed the main game, I think this is a is a, an interesting addition that kind of expands on the fun from the main game. And it's it certainly does not dip in quality. And he would actually probably prefer the season pass because he he enjoys devastating challenge. So yes. <laughs> uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about this next game, but we promise it's only going to be a little bit. This is going to be the last time we mention it. Ryan, you finished the main game, the main campaign. Tell me, what are your final thoughts on Vampire? Vampire, whatever. It's Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I went into this on the Patreon mini, and if, if you're not, if you are a patron... You have access to that uh, the second I post it at patreon.com slash thegamersin. And I highly encourage you to go there and, and check that out. I post them weekly. So I went a little in-depth there thinking, like, if we had a lot, I wouldn't talk about, talk about it here. But we have a, a lighter show uh, this week. So I thought, hey, let's address it. I'm not going to talk about any of the stuff we already talked about because we did it aplenty. Uh, however, I did have that itch in the back of my brain. Uh, and I see Kearney's in the chat room. So he, he, he experienced this firsthand. When I play a game and there are redeeming qualities or that I see, that I really enjoy, I can't help but wonder, how does this thing end? I have to finish it. I have to. <laughs> so this weekend, I basically sat down over two nights and, and plugged the last 10 hours in for the remainder, the remaining three acts that I had. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the combat still is what it is. And the boss battles at the end of each act continue to be find the pattern survive long enough do the ultimate kill them off progress story mm. and i was really hoping are all the boss are all the boss battles still like single target bosses or e it, yes except for the last one the last one has two phases the one being a copy of the boss in the last act and then her second form turns into someone who could summon ads although temporary ads that you know mm. you saw the vampires where they would summon these weird mist creatures and you just had to kind of get out of their way uh she did that the the boss and i finished it and i was like i'm really hoping that the last act is just what i wanted this game to be which was just a narrative 
the, the narrative experience. And it turns out the last act is that. Um, so it really paid off uh, at the end with that. So did you end up doing a lot of people killing or did you just like bash your head against the combat wall? Uh, I did not do, I found a, I found a combo that kind of worked to my play style and yeah, there were a couple instances where I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And again, Kearney's probably having flashbacks. Uh, Sonic, what was it? Sonic something. There was one of the Sonic games. Anyways, uh, yeah, there were those instances where that was happening, but I did not kill anybody. I continued down the pacifist ending. Wow. You didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill anyone. Even the, in the boss battle where you had an opportunity to kill someone, um, I didn't do that. And basically what it amounted to is the final boss is actually easier when you don't kill anyone because it scales mm. to your level. So if you're a higher level, the boss is always a few levels higher than you. So it's always harder. <laughs> Why does the final boss scale properly and nothing else in this stupid game does? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But what I... <laughs> and that's all I'll say. But what I what I will address that with is that I feel like this game would have benefited from a narrative mode. You know, like Mass Effect 2, uh, or maybe it was 3 where this was introduced, and then all the Bioware games had it after, was a narrative mode where the combat was super easy. It was challenging enough that you had to push some buttons and you felt like you were doing something, which is perfect. That's what a narrative mode should offer is just give me the story and let me, you know, feel what the combat's like and scale it to a way that I'm still earning all the powers. That was another thing that was a little disappointing about the pacifist ending is that a lot of the powers did not get fully upgraded. Mm. Um, I didn't get to experience a lot of a lot of those powers, but I suppose that was the trade-off that I chose. Um, I just didn't really agree with how it was implemented. Did but... you end up getting the achievement? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I I think so. I mean, the achievement, I didn't really care about it, but it was the perfect ending that I got, or according to to whatever guide, it was the perfect ending. And and that's what I wanted to touch on, is that this where this game shines is its, is its narrative. And in the last act, they really... They really give you that epilogue you know, they answer questions they present you with characters they uh they bring up more questions but then answer some of those in the epilogue mm -hmm. so that was really exciting to see progress but they still they still end the game in a way where you could develop a sequel you could develop a follow-up with one of the canon endings and i got the perfect ending and it was it was kind of like the, the storybook ending, kind of. Um, I don't know why you would, would purposely go for the bad endings, because, I don't know, I watched them on YouTube well, after. I mean, oh, did you? Because I was going to say, I feel like I need to just like go and look up the story, because I do kind of want to know what happened, but like I can't do that combat anymore. Mm. Um, and I feel like because I ate a bunch of people trying to level up high enough to actually be able to progress through the boss battle. Cause I feel like I was, by the time I hit act four, I was like eight or 10 levels below everything. Um, so even the mini bosses were almost impossible. Mm -hmm. So I ended up eating a few people and I'm curious if I ate enough people to, to wreck my ending, I guess. Cause I think I ended up eating like three or four people probably there's there's like a there's a perfect ending there's a good ending there's a 
bad ending and then there's like a you fucked up ending you know like some real <laughs> bad shit happened in your playthrough and you'd have to purposely eat like everyone in the game i think to get the bad one mm. and the key is i kind of want to go do that now yeah i <laughs> like, mean like to just decimate london just eat everybody <laughs> a game that offers you that flexibility sure why not go see what happens i don't think you can kill anyone like necessary the story like lady ashbury she's not going down like she's probably always going to have a memorized level higher than you but yeah i i finished the game i watched the endings on youtube because i was like i'm i'm not going to go back to this but uh, i think if they do a sequel there has to be they have to look at combat or they have to present you with a narrative mode because they they really they really had an interesting story they treated, you know, vampires in an interesting way that I haven't seen done in video games in ever. So I just wish. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I think that's why I was so disappointed in the game is because it did have so much potential, um, and you really had to fight through a lot of major issues in order to see that potential. So hopefully, this has had enough success that it might get a little bit more support, because I feel like this could benefit from being taken over by a larger studio. Um, normally, larger studios ruin things, <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully, uh, they someone someone could pick this up, still allow them the, the same creative license sort of thing, but give them a bit of a bigger budget, because... They definitely um, overshot, I think, with their with what they were trying to do. Um, so, the yeah. combat wasn't like yeah the the combat the anything in between the narrative bits just kind of wasn't necessary. Like I kind of wish they gave you well, and even even like the narrative bits, like there there's a there was a lot of room I think for improvement for you know choices and conversations to really matter and it didn't often seem like it did and that could have just been the way that i was kind of playing is i always took the middle of the road thing option so i never like failed failed because i know like there are some times in the narrative options where you could choose like the super nice thing and you think that you're being nice to the person and then they just take it the totally wrong way and then you fail Hmm. It, so i've heard I, I have yet to fail so i always just picked the middle of the road logical option yeah and uh, there were, so far there were a couple choices that did amount to different gameplay but mm. i think looking back there was only there was only the one that that felt like you could you could change and really what happened was i, I noticed this as well you can kill off characters like we did we can kill off that character in act two all it meant was that place got sick quicker and I just yeah. had to go back and cure everyone. And as long as I kept everybody, kept that that system above hostile or above whatever the lowest rating is, I got the good ending because all the cities were intact and everyone survived. And, and eventually in the story, like, you get to a point where you do something and it's not even based in the in lore or, or the story. It just presents you with the civilian sort of map and says, like, everyone's cured. Because you get, you know, you... you you figure out where the epidemic is coming from, but you don't cure it. But it still like kind of says like, yeah, everyone's everyone's safe. Continue on to the final battle, and, mm. and and you can go on that route. But yeah, there was one choice that changed that would have changed how I was able to progress. Uh, I still you still get the same you know you still get to the same endpoint, but there are different ways of of doing something. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, uh, I just feel like there's, there's the interstitial combat there in between, you know, going to talk to this person and going to interact with that person that just really shouldn't have, it just didn't feel like it needed to be there and it didn't serve a purpose outside of like giving you a trickle of XP that you weren't getting from, from killing people, even though you killed hundreds of people throughout the game. Like, that's another point. Like, don't get me wrong. If you killed none of the civilians, doesn't mean you didn't kill anyone. Like, killing yeah. people left, right, and center. So Well, and, and that was another thing that I thought was kind of an interesting choice, is that for some reason, killing and sucking the blood out of someone you knew, for some reason, that gave you more vampire powers. But the blood of all the humans that are part of that order that are patrolling the streets, that's not worth anything. <laughs> it did just it was just a, a mishmash of ideas i think and potentially with a little bit more money and a little bit more direction uh it could have been a really really great game it ended up being kind of mediocre but uh mm -hmm. i i think i am gonna go look up the story because the story itself definitely grabbed me to the point that i played it a lot longer than i would have otherwise like because there were a lot of flaws to it but i think <laughs> we've pretty much talked this one to death and i know like we've been touching on it for the last four-ish episodes so um that we like some things about it yeah we did like some things about it's it kinda... I think it's a solid like six out of ten maybe seven out of ten yeah depending on if you give everything eights nines and tens then I yeah mean, this is a seven but <laughs> yeah we never put numbers to games that felt weird we don't ever put numbers to games. i feel like you know 60 to 70 percent of this game is decent and worth yeah. playing it's the other 30 to 40 percent that can just be a real slog and can make you not want to see the the good i liked the, i liked how they ended it i liked the character interactions at the end I, I i dug the way that they they said like look the final battle you're gonna do this and then they put you into the epilogue and it's like it's you take your time you talk to a bunch it is the ending of those narrative like you know before you go into the big battle on mass effect you get to talk to everyone it was the opposite yeah. scenario where you do the big battle then you get to talk to two or three characters that really held a lot of answers mm. until the end of the game. And then they're like, okay, oh, AMA, way, let's do this thing. Here's everything. Yeah, AMA. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally what it was. The ending of this game was an AMA, except oh people God. weren't dicks. You know, it, it worked out quite well. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, I'll get there eventually. Maybe probably who knows. <laughs> Just look it up. Don't, don't, you don't, don't go back. In don't bother no. slogging through it. Fair enough. Uh, so if you guys like the show and you want to support us, you can go over to patreoncom slash the gamers. And we are quite close to our goal to have game night again. So if that's something that you guys enjoy, please do go check it out again. That's patreoncom slash the gamers in. Uh, you should also join our discord channel. You guys can find people to play games with. You can have discussions with Ryan and I, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on over there. That is bit.ly slash TGI discord. Um, so tonight I didn't actually play a video game to talk to you guys about. What I did was something's actually been taking up quite a lot of my video gaming time and we are just absolutely loving a board game called Gloomhaven. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you guys have actually heard of this one before or not, but it's like the highest rated video game on, or video game, highest rated game on boardgamegeek.com and it's a lot of fun but it's very complicated. So basically it's kind of like a fantasy based dungeon crawling strategy game that brings together kind of like the combat of Dungeons and Dragons 
without a whole lot of RP. Like there's basically like as much role playing in it as you want to go. There's a, there's like a campaign, like a main story. You can choose which dungeons that you go to, which then impacts your main story and what's going on. Um, but yeah, the actual like game itself is very combat based. And so basically what it is, is you uh, choose a class at the beginning. And right now, Matt and I are playing uh, just the two of us, though you can play with, I believe there's officially up to four players, but you can, there's like a lot of um, like house rules and like unofficial ways to play. And uh, there is an unofficial way to play with five people. So, but yeah, it works, it works best, I think, with three people, although Matt and I have been having a really good time just playing the two of us, so... Mm. Uh, one thing I will say is it is very much like D&D in that it's a campaign and we've been playing like two to three hours every two to three days probably. Hmm. And it's it's a lot. It's like we're able to complete usually two scenarios in a in a session. And if you don't have the time to like sit down, set up, like play through take down, reset up a new scenario. Like it is, it's very time consuming, but it's really, really, really fun for me specifically, because the thing that I don't like as much about D&D is all the in-between combat stuff. Like all the role-playing, all of the like, I go do this and then I go do this. Like in combat, I could say like, yeah, I stabbed the guy in the throat and then I kicked the other guy in the face. Like. Yeah. I'm all over, you know, combat RP, but when it comes to, like, the in-between stuff, I've never really enjoyed it. I find it's, a, like, a lot of pressure, and I just, <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't get into it. I can't do it. <laughs> Pressure's, uh, it's an interesting way to to look at it. I think that uh, when playing D&D, a lot of people say, like, oh, you're, you're playing with friends. Why would you, why would you feel pressure? Why would you feel this? But for me, when I play, I know I play uh, a D&D group with, with Kearney, who you're playing Gloomhaven with and uh he's our dm and sometimes i find when i'm playing dnd the interstitial stuff it's it all it's all dependent on who's the most awake when you're playing or who has the <laughs> most research done into their character because sometimes the in-between stuff is hard to do when you just when you're when you're kind of caught up in the like okay what does my character do again how many charisma points do I have? How do I do a saving throw in this app? How do I move the map around? The cool thing about these board games that kind of simulate the Dungeons and Dragons is that all of that stuff is taken care of by the game rules. Even I know there are game rules in playing D&D, but it's all it's all on paper. In this, it, there's like... D&D is much more, I feel like it's like freeform. Yeah, you know? like... this seems like you, you have... There's stuff that happens and it's based on cards, right? I was looking a bit into it before the show. It's... Yeah, so so basically how it works is uh, you choose a scenario and like everybody starts off with the same scenario and it kind of starts to branch the, the more scenarios that you complete. And so you're given your character and a hand of cards and each character gets a different number of cards. So it depends on what your class is. And then there are actions on the top half of the card, the bottom half of the card, and there's an initiative number in the middle. So each round you have to choose two cards and then you choose your initiative from those two cards so you can choose to go like either kind of fast or slow mm -hmm. basically so you choose your higher number or your lower number and then you put down your two cards you figure out what the play order is going to be 
And then by the time it gets around to your turn, then you can say, okay, you have to use the top of one card and the bottom of another card. But you can choose which of those two it's going to be kind of on the fly. So you're not like locked in when you play your cards down. You always have some options. And even if you don't want to use whatever the ability is at the top or bottom, the top and bottom can also be used for like a default move or a default attack without using whatever the special ability is. So Mm -hmm. it's quite flexible. And there are mechanics within the game. Uh, So once you play your cards, you discard them. Some of them, if you use the special ability, they're like exhausted and you can't get them back again. So it also acts as like a timer on the dungeon. You don't have like an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount of turns and energy and everything else because, uh, like I said, your movement is built into those cards as well. So once your cards are exhausted, once you don't have anything more in your hand, it's like you have to retreat. You have to leave the dungeon. So you, uh, yeah, you get a limited number of turns and you always have some sort of something that you have to complete. So a certain monster you have to kill, a treasure you have to get, or sometimes it's like you have to kill all the monsters in the dungeon. Uh, We just played a scenario last night that actually involved in kind of like an escort quest. So it was like the, the NPC that we were escorting through the dungeon moved two spaces towards a goal at the end of every round. So she would move whether we wanted her to or not, whether she was walking into traps or rooms full of monsters, like she just, she was on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it was, it was really fun and really interesting. And so far we've had quite a few, like there's a lot of different layouts of the dungeons and scenarios. There's lots of different like reasons for doing it. Not to mention there's also this uh, mechanic, which you don't have in Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons is basically, um, you're generally cooperative working towards the same goal, right? I haven't played a lot of D&D, so I might be totally wrong making this kind of comparison. But Yeah, I mean... I guess it depends on how you play and who's in your group, it right? It depends <laughs> who you're playing with. Like, the group we play with and the group, you know, you and I played with before, like... We were all in the general understanding that we wanted the story to move forward and we wanted all of us to survive unless, yes. you know, they stood in the way of a firebolt or an arrow or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's not, let's Ryan not get into semantics. Once it was one time you swore you'd never bring it up uh, <laughs> again, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it really depends, but I've heard of D and D groups where someone is, is just their, they see their purpose as the shit disturber and their job is to like give people when they're trying to run away from a scary monster or, you know, they poke the bear when they shouldn't really be. And yeah. Oh yeah. You nearly killed me too. Jim was there. No way. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. We could all go back. And, uh, yeah, see, Ryan nearly killed me. That okay. see now, Jim's now Jim's remembering Which it correctly. Which one was it? Like, because now <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I I think it really depends on your group, and for the most part, D and D groups that I've been a part of, it's all been about like how do we take the group and move forward? Because yeah. that's the most fun. Like, I mean, chances are, you know, the DM. He, 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 they have a sleight of hand. They can do some stuff behind that board that, that no one else sees. And if they wanted to kill you, they could find a way to kill you. Uh, I wouldn't put it past you know the, the DM's uh, powers to, to do that if they didn't want you to uh, keep messing with people. But in this, you're saying that 
there there can be you know some against you know uh, against play and, and some well yeah play. so like there's there's a little bit of potential competitiveness because basically hmm. what happens at the beginning of each scenario is you choose a like a goal mm -hmm. and you keep that hidden from everyone else in your party so like goals that we've had are like um be or open a door and discover a new room uh loot five tokens or more be the first to kill a monster um just kind of stuff like that but the thing is sometimes like say say i have the goal to be the first to kill a monster the monster type that's in our um, dungeon are bandits. And Matt's overall career goal, because that's another thing that you get, are these uh, goals that once you accomplish them, then you retire your character and start a new one. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. You don't keep the same character in the same class the whole way through. You're constantly trying to finish these career goals and retire your characters because you get bonuses as you like move through and, and open up new characters and new classes. Because you also start the game with six available characters and i think there's something like i haven't counted them i don't know how many there are total but there's a lot like there's probably 12 or 15 different characters that you unlock hmm. over the course of a campaign so uh let's say that like matt's campaign like career goal is to kill 25 bandits well if i then have a secret goal that i need to be the first one to kill in the dungeon and then i go and kill a bandit and then matt's like hey that was my goal, damn it. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, whoops, okay. <laughs> so there's like, and sometimes it's stuff like that. Sometimes, like I mentioned, the looting one, which I seem to get all the time. Um, because loot is, you have to actually end your turn on top of a loot token, means it takes movement. So I could use the movement of my turn to go and loot when really I should be attacking the bad guys or something like that. So it's hmm. like there's always there's these kind of like secret competitive potential trade-offs and you have to decide, do I want to complete my secret goal or do I want to make sure we complete the dungeon? Because if I complete my personal goal but we don't complete the scenario, then I don't get anything out of it. So there's this like kind of cool balance there between um, being cooperative and being competitive and knowing when you can actually like take a turn to do something for yourself versus for the group. Um, so yeah, it's like, I, I am drawing the comparison to Dungeons and Dragons, but Dungeons and Dragons is much, much more role-playing. There's a lot more like free form movement and stuff. And there's a mm -hmm. lot more that happens in like the interim, not saying that you couldn't add that to Gloomhaven, but it's definitely more of a strategy dungeon crawler than it is like, a role-playing game and if you're going into it thinking this is going to be just a board game versions of dungeons and dragons it's not that mm. so if you love dnd there's a good chance that you won't like gloomhaven just because it doesn't have as much um role-playing however you can add that if that's something that you want there's nothing there's no like actual physical like you must complete combat in 60 real-time minutes or anything crazy like that there's no like actual timer on it mm -hmm. so you can add that rp element into it so for instance the character that i'm playing is a Cragheart, so i'm a really big dude like built out of earth and rocks and trees and like so i'm i'm pretty like tanky and and i and i do some really cool stuff like picking up rocks and heaving them and mm -hmm. so like Sometimes, like, we, like, talk in voices or, like, 
you know, make fun of the spell names and stuff. So there, there's like, you right. can add a little bit of RP into it if that's what you're into, but that's definitely not like the point of the game. Yeah. The point of the game very much is, is strategy and, uh, strategy and dungeon crawling, basically combat. So, so a missed opportunity there when you were playing the rock guys, you could have role played like Cork from, from Thor Ragnarok. Right. And you could have done exactly. that voice and like take yeah. that space ghost or whatever. I'm not going to pretend to do the voice. <laughs> that's basically, that's basically who i am <laughs> yeah yeah how did he he's like yeah i'm not gonna do it there are lots of other people who do it way more justice including you know the director who, who did that voice but uh yeah. yeah no that it all sounds really fascinating i remember we were we were playing D and you know we used discord so we have video chat and i think uh they showed the he showed us the box it looks huge <laughs> how it is it's huge it's like okay yeah, it's it's really really deep. It's probably like eight inches deep, and it's like a mm-hmm. foot and a half by a foot and a half, maybe. Like so what's it's, in it's a it? really big box. Okay, so the reason that it's so big is because it is a very complicated game. There's lots of different characters, like I mentioned. All of those different characters have not only their like um, the cards that go in their hand with all their abilities, but also their combat deck. So every time, like say. I make an attack, I still have to flip a card to see if there's any modifiers that are going to happen to that attack. Sometimes it's two times damage, sometimes it's plus one or two, sometimes it's minus, sometimes it's just straight up, whoops, you missed. So uh, like, there's combat modifiers too, which is good because then it doesn't make the combat too predictable. So it's not like I can just plan out my next five turns. It's, it's much more dynamic than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's the two different decks per player, not to mention all the little figurines. Then you have all the different pieces that actually make up the each different dungeon. So I think there's something like 90 scenarios altogether. I'm not sure how many enemies there are, or like how many different enemy types there are, but um, there are all of the little uh, figures for all the enemies are in there too. Uh, they're not actually 3D figures the way the characters are. They're like... Um, printed cardboard figures that you put into little stands. Uh, What else is in there? Um, All of the scenario stuff. Oh, all of the things like traps and obstacles and and other little hex modifications that you have to do. There's just, there are a ton, ton of things in there. Um, All the, oh, all the monsters all get their own unique movement decks as well, or not movement or yeah, like uh, powers and stuff. So each different type of monster might be able to like, if they're cultists, they summon skeletons sometimes. And that's all done by, again, a deck. So they get a little deck of cards, much like your hand of powers, and then they get flipped over randomly. So sometimes they'll move, sometimes they'll attack, sometimes they'll move and attack. Sometimes they can do like curses and poisons and things like that. Sometimes they can summon new bad guys. So it's a, it, the combat is really, really dynamic and I'm enjoying it because of that is that like the enemies, their movement is predictable because there's, there's rules that govern how monsters move. But outside of that, it's like they could do anything, any turn because it's a, it's a random, uh, it's a random deck. It's a hmm. random card flip. So, and, um, so it's a big box and I, I went to try and I just went to try and find it on Amazon. They had a link on on there, and so it's coming up at it's coming up as from a non-seller, but it's still Prime shipping. So I don't know how how official that is, but like, it's an expensive game. It looks it looks to be expensive, right? Like it's a, there's a lot of pieces. And it is. Stuff. There are a ton of pieces. It's a pretty expensive game. Matt actually spent the first like week that he had it just building 
like um not necessarily containers but like an organizer for the inside of the box because if you just like let everything go inside that box oh man uh matt saying it's supposed to be 125 dollars canadian but yeah like i said there's like 90 scenarios and there's just it's there's a lot of content to this game and a lot of time played like matt and i i think have played probably about 10 scenarios and we've played like five or six nights of a few hours each time and we're nowhere near done like it's there's a lot there there's a lot of content and a lot of fun to be had and a lot of people are saying that it like replaces their D night and i would say like if i was only playing this like one night a week that wouldn't be enough <laughs> like mm. it, it literally every night we're like do you have plans no do you have plans no okay let's go <laughs> scar exciting. the crag heart is coming back <laughs> like, it's really fun cool. so yeah i've been having a great great time well, I think that you sh- we should do board games more often on this show. I, I don't play a lot of board games, and you know, <laughs> usually when I play them, it's at your place. So uh... <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, Matt and I actually do play quite a few board games. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you guys have liked this Gloomhaven talk, then please do let us know in the Discord, uh, or you can email us too. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hear more about board games on Gamers In, then uh, I would be more than happy to talk about them because I I really do enjoy board games. Always have so. They've really, I don't know if they ever, I was going to say they've really come back, but I don't know if they ever went anywhere, but growing up <laughs> on sort of Monopoly, Treble, and just the, the standard Sorry. <laughs> kids, yeah, the standard kids board games, uh, it, 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 it took me a while to realize like, oh, there are board games for, you know, I shouldn't say board games for adults, but there are board games for, that just don't, aren't catered to kids. Like there are board games, like video games that are catered to a mature audience. And it always sounds weird, like it's like a hardcore, you know, adult experience. But really it's just, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's so hard. To... The hardcore adult experience I know. means something totally No, I know, different. and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that whenever I say it's an adult experience, people are like, what kind of board games do you buy? It's like, no, it's just, <laughs> it's just something that you can experience as an adult and you don't feel like oh i'm sitting here playing the the story of life or monopoly again like whatever (laughs) version of monopoly people play these days but yeah no it's it's exciting to play these new games that that aren't just catered to the younger audience and i think there was one another one that was kind of based on the dungeons and dragons no it was Baldur's gate and it was Mm. uh i can't it was like escape from Baldur's gate or something but um yeah no i'm really excited i don't know if like i that's the other thing too is like i can't go out and buy a 125 dollar board game because i don't have anybody to play with here Um, well actually and and that's what's so interesting about gloomhaven is that technically you can play it with just one player like there's a, a set of rules and a difficulty for a solo player as well as the um I guess creator. I was going to say developer, and I'm like, that's the video game word. <laughs> so I guess the the creator has also put out um, more scenarios hmm. each for uh, each different class that are meant to be played solo. So you can actually go through and do your solo scenario, and then come back into another campaign. And that's the interesting part too. Is that like say. Matt and I have this campaign going and then you are coming over for a weekend to visit. You can create a character and then just join right into our campaign and then leave afterwards because each and every scenario is designed to be played by one to four players. So 
the people who are playing can come and go and because the point of the game is to like have careers and constantly be retiring characters and stuff like that it's not necessarily the same as D&D where like if you came in um you might be a level one character and everyone else is level 10 and like you're way underpowered or anything like that because you're meant to be kind of cycling through characters so adding and taking away people doesn't ruin any kind of anything in the campaign like it's it's meant to to be flexible so uh so yeah it's actually it's it's a ton of fun for because it does seem to take a lot of these things into account so hmm. i'm pretty sure it, like it's won a whole ton of awards it's like i think it was like board game of the year 2017 whoever oh. decides that i don't really know <laughs> probably but board game you, he's the possibly he's the king. <laughs> possibly but uh but yeah it's it's a lot a lot of fun so i highly recommend it and again like you can even play it by yourself I'm enjoying it with two people um, because I think uh, Matt and I are both um, very video game focused. But um, that was the other thing is I think that for people who play video games, I think you're really going to like Gloomhaven. Hmm. If you're not a video game person, I can see Gloomhaven being very difficult. Matt and I are playing on normal difficulty, but there are like modification rules that you can make things. I think there's like easy normal hard i don't know if there's an expert mode or not but um oh, it basically just like it basically just makes um like puts more monsters in the dungeon and stuff like that um hmm. but yeah so you can make the game more difficult but i think us playing through on normal is actually fine like there's been a couple of scenarios that we've just barely completed like we've had like two cards left it's our last turn like if we roll no damage we're not going to complete the scenario Oh, there is, there's easy, normal, hard, and very hard, and we're playing on normal right now. And I wouldn't want to play on any, like, greater difficulty, but um, I think that because of the way a lot of the special powers are built, there's a lot of rules around, like, infusing the room with a type of magic so you can use it next turn and, and things like that. Not to mention, like, combining abilities together and knowing like when to move and and all these kind of different things but mostly just the combos i think that people play vi who play video games that are used to like finding rotations or if you play mobas and like getting your comboing your abilities in the right order like if you're used to thinking like that you'll pick up gloomhaven really quickly hmm. if you're not used to thinking like that then you're not going to pick it up as quickly because there is this kind of like built-in timer if you misuse your cards, then you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> so I think like video gamers in particular, I think are going to pick this up really quickly. But like when we like go on vacation in a couple of weeks and I show it to my mom and we try to get her into it, she's going to struggle. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not it's definitely not an easy game. Although once we had completed a couple scenarios and kind of got the hang of it, like now we play it a lot quicker. But um, yeah, it was it's very slow, especially when you're like starting a new character whose class you're not familiar with. It can, uh, yeah, it, it can be very, very slow to play, but it's still, it's really fun. And when you do complete a scenario, it's so satisfying. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have a hard time showing, like not, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind showing it to people, but I would have a hard time trying, like I wouldn't try to convince someone to play this game if they are not, you know, interested. I feel like if you're going to get invested in this game, and I could be completely oh, it's off a, here. Oh, it's an investment. Yeah, you <laughs> in wouldn't... Both, like, time and money. It's, yeah. it's a big investment, for sure. You wouldn't want to, like, kind of 
force people like if they're to, if they're not into these type of games it's like you're probably better off trying something a little simpler because there are a lot of different board games out there that present a similar style of you know dungeons and dragons or or even just dungeons in general where you might as well just try something a little simpler as opposed to going for the hey here's the 125 dollar you know large box <laughs> kit with miniatures and different decks and stuff it's real fun and it could be fun but to the person who isn't really into those types of things it can be very overwhelming and that's kind of what I see. I mean, I've I've been more introduced to these games, so I'm a lot less to judge based on you know how big a box or how many pieces that are in that box. But uh, I'm uh, it it certainly looks interesting, and I'm I'm excited to to check it out. It'd be really cool to try to find it at at a decently uh, decent price or the original price. It looks like it's as uh, Pink yeah, Pong was saying, game... it's pretty gouged. And yeah, this game has been very, very difficult to find because I think they're on their third printing of it now. I think it was actually like the second printing of it was like a Kickstarter project or something like that. Like it's a small (laughs) indie board game developer creator guy. Okay. Um, So yeah, it's yeah. Design things. (laughs) It's uh, yeah, it has been very, very difficult to find. I know when Matt first went to our local game store and was like trying to get his hands on one, the guy was saying that the the next printing was coming up in I think it was like a month or two at the time. And uh, like Matt tried to get a second copy and the guy was like, actually all the copies that I'm getting are like spoken for already. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's been really hard to get your hands on. And that's why the prices are much, much higher on sites like Amazon is because it's people reselling it. So um yeah, it's hard to get your hands on, but I'm sure that they'll probably do another printing of it at some point. So hmm. don't don't pay gouged Amazon no. prices, you guys. No, Just don't do it. <laughs> so cool. So yeah, it's uh, it's very very fun. I highly recommend for all the reasons that I said before. But yeah, you guys should uh, totally go and check that out. I think that's gonna do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can do so at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about us reviewing board games on Gamers In, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, you guys.